Ned Yost jersey, game worn jersey. I want this. Yeah. Pay for it. Turn around. There's no line for Ned Yost who's giving autographs, and I didn't know he was doing autographs. And I yeah. just walk up and like, hey, Skip. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. (laughs) So that's how I got a Ned Yost signed game worn jersey. There you go. Sparkly, too. It's like the 50th anniversary one or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It it was cool. Yeah. So, like, my niece got to her. So I got my nephew um, the hat that I sent you, and then I bought one for myself. Obviously, I couldn't pass that up. Yeah, right. And uh, so my niece's christmas present that i got her was she got to take a like polaroid mm-hmm. with some of the players and then it got turned into a christmas ornament oh, okay and so like the first picture she took nick smith jr anthony black um ricky council lawson blake like all these people like lined up behind her to take a picture the polaroid didn't come out and so like half of them had left but she still got one with ricky council and lawson so I mean, that's a... <clears throat> I was like, this is so pretty that's cool. pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, you got C4. But I was just like, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, if you get a, you know, something signed by C4, I think that's a pretty good day. Yeah, so, I mean, for sure. So, we got in the car and my nephew immediately was like, so how much do you think I could sell this hat for? And oh, my like, God. Do not. <laughs> don't do that. No, no, it's like, that's you know not how co- mad I'm going to be if <laughs> you sell that hat? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what? He's thinking He's thinking in the future. Maybe yeah. he'll be one of those people that, like, you know, he goes and gets signatures and things like that yeah. and then sells that merch online, you know? Yeah. You can get good money that way doing oh, yeah. that stuff because, like, weirdos like me buy that crap and, <laughs> you know, put it in their man cave. But, you know. I'm a weirdo who also has a basketball podcast, and this is the Hoop Sound Pound Podcast, and my name is David. Hey, guys, it's Maddie. Yep, and that was a very long way for us to do the intro. We'll see how I cut that down today. <laughs> Big week of basketball. A um, lot of things that, you know, me and Maddie got to discuss this week. Um, obviously, we got to talk about the news that came out this week and a few other things, but like, let's start first with some of the lighter news, then we'll get to the series piece, and then Sounds we'll good. change the tone entirely. <laughs> uh, I think that's the best way to go about this. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about today is Nick Smith Jr. Um, got a little bit of a scare there in North Little Rock when it came to, uh, I guess it's an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. came out of the game against Bradley. Uh, Musselman said that he did not feel the need to put Smith back in the game. After getting his uh, after getting that ankle uh, retaped after halftime, um, Smith came into Saturday's game with a mid ankle sprain or, or a mid ankle injury already. However, he was cleared to play against uh, against Bradley and dropped five points in twenty minutes uh, during that first half. Half uh, it seems more like a precautionary precautionary deal for Smith more than anything else. Uh, what are what are you kind of thinking about this, Maddie? Yeah, I think so too, David. Um, you know, with how cautious they were to put him in after that injury that he had at the beginning of the season like you said it must said you know he didn't feel the need to put him in we kind of slaughtered Bradley so they definitely got smoked yeah yeah so you know it's one of those things like if you don't have to kill him like to get the points on the board then just let him rest recoup and get back next game yeah I I definitely agree with you I think that you don't want to rush anything when it comes to the legs especially in the game of basketball where you're going up and down on these joints the entire time Um, I mean he's an important piece for this Razorback team and I do think a precautionary measure when you're playing a team like Bradley Mm -hmm. is a good move and you know what you should probably still be a little bit cautious going into UNC Asheville this week as well if you see any of your players, not just Nick Smith Jr., but anybody on that team right now, because you've already lost Trevor in Brazil, and he's a massive piece, and he's being, you know, 
put together right now for his three-point game out of Nick Smith Jr. Jordan Walsh doing a lot of the rebounding and trying to supplement some of that three-point game. And there's, there, you know, the, you've got to take care of your team because you can't lose any more talent. This is a juggernaut team that's very deep, and if you lose those pieces, it starts getting a little bit more fragile over time. So, like, I, I'm definitely on board with the precautionary uh, approach right now. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I saw Nick today. I asked him, you know, I was like, hey, man, how you feeling? How's it going? You know, he said he was great, so... You know, I'm not too worried about it. You know, not that he would be upfront and honest with me. You yeah, know, but to say that wasn't was in the like official super, capacity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not that he would be like super like, oh, yeah, like I'm injured. But, you know, he said he was good. He looked good. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. What was the event you were at today? Um, It was hosted by AOC um, and they were at the Children's Safety Center in Springdale. So raising money for that. It was a really good cause. Definitely cool. Um, you know, got to go talk to some of the players. They gave us a tour. Um, took my nephew and my niece, and they were a little starstruck. I think kind of stayed <laughs> back a little bit, but it, it was fun. It was good to you know give back to the community a little bit, and you know really appreciate those guys doing that um, to help the greater good. I, I I love stuff like that. So like you know, no one no one prompted us in that question. <laughs> so I was just more like you know, hey, where where exactly were you? So like yeah, you know, it, it's cool. Um, Let's get to a little bit more serious uh, conversation that we do need to get to. Look, this is outside the SEC. I completely understand that, but it was very big news um, across the basketball world. Uh, news out of Austin this week. Uh, Texas head coach Chris Beard, Chris Beard was arrested last week for felony domestic violence charges. Um, I'm not sure what the exact specific charges were. I don't have that pulled up right in front of my face this given second. I know what the charges were. I've read them, but um, I just don't. It's This is what it pertains to, uh, naturally. Um Texas has suspended him without pay until further notice. Uh, Texas, technically, I don't think they've named who the interim coach is going to be, but the university statement before their game against Rice and judging after the day, uh, Terry was said to be their acting head coach uh, for the meantime. Um, look, I, I don't believe saying someone is guilty before they've had their day in court. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm at law school for a reason. Um, but I, I encourage anybody... You know, look up the reports. We shared them on our Twitter page. They're all over the place. You can find that stuff out there before you make a judgment for yourself. Um, but I will say this. If these allegations are true, it's it's a disgusting situation is the only thing I've really got to say. I feel for the victim. Um, my heart goes out to her. I also feel for the players in Texas because the season is no longer going to be about them at all. Yeah, for sure. It was, you know, absolutely wild report to wake up to on Monday morning. That the Second I saw it, I sent it straight to you, David. (laughs) Um, You know, it is a super unfortunate position that the players are in right now. You know, they were kind of skyrocketing to the top there. Um, So, you know, definitely a bad judgment call on his behalf if everything is... At minimum, that's what (laughs) it was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely worse than that. But, you know, if everything is, you know, true, as you said, you know, hasn't had his day in court yet. But... um, you know, personally for Chris Beard, I think even though he was a great coach, it's going to be hard to recover from this, guilty or not, um, job-wise, even if he evades jail. Yeah, you, you don't know how that's going to go moving forward after this. Uh, obviously, Texas won today against Stanford. Um, we're going to see how Texas handles this going forward. From a purely basketball perspective and not getting into any of the legal stuff that's going on, but from a purely basketball situation, 
I don't know exactly how NIL works, but you do have to think that a lot of the recruits that are coming into Texas and things like that may start raising some questions about if they actually want to come to Austin or not. Uh, Ron Holland comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about him earlier in the, uh, in the show this season. Um, I'm not going to just flat out talk about recruitment, but like that, this just changed the perception on programs and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And you know, NIL or not, um, you know, I think some of these people that were recruited, they were probably recruited by Chris, Chris Beard. Beard. And, you know, they see something like that. They're probably going to go with a different coach, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I would. Yeah. And also not knowing who you're going to be playing for in Texas. So exactly. it might be like one of those holdout things for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Does like, okay, what's Texas's next move going to be from here? Is it still going to be Chris Beard or is it going to be someone else? Matthew what? McConaughey. Yeah. 100%. I think there we that's go. The that's go. the tone changer right there. <laughs> yeah. Matthew McConaughey, new head coach at Austin. Like, I believe in that. I believe in the McConaughey. Um, but yeah, no, from seriously, like, yeah. It's going to, an 18 year old kid coming out of high school is going to have some decisions to make. Some transfers are going to have some decisions to make who are maybe thinking about going to Texas. So I don't know what the future of the Texas basketball program is going to be, but like that university has a lot in their hands right now. And we'll see how. I mean, and then you look at the current players too, um, you know, moving forward next year, how many of those are going to transfer out? Yeah, because they're Chris Beard's recruits. Exactly. I I don't know. I'm not going to say the sky's falling in Austin, but it's definitely. Not a good situation. We're on a a chicken little path there (laughs) going forward. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Let's talk about something a little bit higher note. I I definitely thought the Chris Beard thing was something that should be talked about. Um, But let's talk about something that's a little bit better to talk about. (laughs) A little bit nicer to talk about in, you know, company. Um, Joe Lenardi has released his bracket this week. And as of Saturday... He has five SEC teams in the tournament. Alabama, one seed. Tennessee, a two seed. Arkansas and Kentucky, four seeds. Mississippi State, a five seed. Auburn, a seven seed. First four out. LSU. Mizzou, Florida, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M were mentioned in that order as out as well, but they're not in the next four out or the first four out right now. Uh, Some of the mid-major teams we keep an eye on that Joe mentioned, Sam Houston, Oral Roberts, James Madison, uh, Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast, Chattanooga, Grambling, and High Point. Maddie, what are your initial thoughts seeing uh, Joe finally tweet something out about the bracket in this season? You know, as much as I appreciate the SEC love that he has kind of given, this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is literally my only note. I have Joe Lenardi hyphen trash. trash. <laughs> That's your, yeah, I mean... It, most bracketologists out there would agree that Joe Lenardi is not the best bracketologist in the history of bracketologists. As a matter of fact, a lot of them, like even the amateur ones, everybody that I follow who's a bracketologist puts out like their correct level and most of the, in, you know, an accuracy of in and out for between seeds and things like that. And most of them will hit like 97% or something like that. Mm. Joe Lenardi scores somewhere like 93% or something like that, which is bad for bracketologists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know those exact numbers. Go. We'll, we'll ha- we're having a bracketology episode here, I think, next week uh, with yep. the, with a guest. So, like, we'll we'll ask about those numbers a little bit closer. But, yeah, we know between bracketologists that Joe Lenardi <laughs> is not the best at this. Um, but I will say, like, understandably, Alabama, as of Saturday morning when he released this, I thought was approaching that one seed territory given all their quad one wins. I don't think he's too far off there. Yeah. He's Alabama's probably a two seed as of Sunday and moving forward right now. Um, but they look like they could be a one seed. So I understand that one. Tennessee, 
I get that they beat Kansas, but like I'm still have questions about that. Um, I need to dive deeper into their net, and we're going to ask questions next week more on the bracketology stuff. Arkansas is the first four seed, so meaning that like they're right there on the cusp of being mm-hmm. a three or four. Felt that was right, but I think Arkansas is so much closer to being a three. But I I, I don't know what it is, but most bracketologists keep saying Arkansas is a four seed. I, I don't know what to think of that situation. Like I don't know what the Hogs need to prove to you. They only have one loss, and it's to Creighton. And I understand yeah. Creighton is... <laughs> Just a mess, you know. Hot garbage after that win to Arkansas. They look legitimate. Like I've, They did. You know how many times, like, now because Creighton has played terrible basketball, I'm re-questioning my assessment of the Hogs. And then the Hogs continue to play well, but here's Creighton over here losing to BYU and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I'm like, I don't know what to think about this anymore. I think Arkansas just took it all out of Creighton, and they came crashing down afterwards. You just that was it. it unplugged took, them? It took all that they had to beat Arkansas and then just downhill from there. I, you know, there's not a lot of times you see um, uh, most people saying the team that lost was the better team at a <laughs> right? basketball game. I think the only people who felt good about winning that game were Creighton fans. Um, but yeah, like I think the rest of the world was like, wow, Arkansas is really good. Who knew? Like, yeah. And I also think back to that game and how it was played and the fouls in the second half and all that stuff. And like, yeah, maybe it's just, you know, because I remember I thought that Arkansas was about to beat Creighton by about 10 points for a given moment there in the second oh, yeah, half. for sure. And then the fouls changed the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, maybe maybe that's what we're missing in this understanding is that Arkansas is better than Creighton. They just had a, you know, a bad situation there in Maui. Who knows? I don't. Yeah, whatever. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, like, we're going to – bracket's going to change. Oh, yeah. Bracket's going to change. Teams are going to move up. Um, we're going to get into Arkansas a little bit about where I think they need to be headed um, going into that stuff, but we'll talk about that more uh, during our weekly recap. Any more thoughts on the brackets that Lenardi put out other than it's, you know, trash? <laughs> trash. Um, you know, nothing too crazy, you know, like you said. Um, he doesn't seem to be on par with everybody else, and I think we, we can agree with that. Yep. Hey, let me let me recommend some uh, good bracketologists out there for everybody else who listens to this podcast. Uh, T3 Bracketology, uh, Benji, who's going to be on the show next week, uh, and then we're going to have, um, not us, but you know, another good bracket to follow is Delphi Brackets. They're considered one of the best uh, brackets out there. They actually do their own podcast. I'm not promoting them. We're in no association with them. I'm telling you that Delphi Brackets does a really, really good job. If you want to see good bracket bracketology, go check them out. I mean, you can't not be named Delphi and not be great. Yeah, but it's the Oracle. You know, it's it's the Oracle. I don't know okay. if that's their slogan or not, but I like don't know. It, it just reminds me of Apollo Creed. Yeah, I mean, Delphi it's from Greek. Yeah, yeah, Delphi is from Greek mythology. That's yeah. where the Oracle is. It's the Oracle of Delphi. Yep. Yeah, the predictor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see the prophecy, you know? Like, you know, I don't know if that's how they came up with that name, but that would be really <laughs> cool if they did, you know? Like, you know. Whatever. Let's move on to the weekly recap before I bore everyone with uh, mythology Greek this mythology. week. You know, I, I took that class in high school. <laughs> I, could, I don't think I did. I love I think mythology. I that one. I'm a nerd, so, you know. Let's talk about the weekly recap. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All right. My one sentence for this weekly recap, not a great day for SEC basketball yesterday or really the rest of the week. So that's your lead-in sentence before (laughs) we go through these games? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. You know, if um, if you're not named Arkansas or Mississippi State, who were the only top 25 teams in the SEC to win a game this weekend, um... 
you're potentially moving towards Santa's naughty list right now when it comes to, actually, I guess uh, Bill Walton would be basketball's uh, <laughs> Santa Claus. Um, but yeah, you're moving toward Bill Walton's naughty list, and that's not a good place for you. Um, so, like, you know, you better watch out. You better better play better twice. You know, like, Bill Walton's going to find out if you're trash or not. So, exactly. like, yeah, I'm, I'm, Bill Walton has no bearing on anything. He's just he's just happy and jolly, so that's why he's basketball Santa Claus. Um, but, yeah, the no, first game I want to talk about this week, UCLA versus Kentucky. Man, honestly, I think Kentucky purely just got outplayed in this game. Yeah, you watched it. Um, yeah, they fell. They fell to UCLA in New York, sixty-three fifty-three. In this game, Cats shot thirty-two point eight percent from the field. That ain't good. Cats <laughs> um, shot twenty-eight point six, twenty-eight point six percent from three in this game. That ain't good. And uh, yeah, Kentucky lost the turnover battle by negative five. Kentucky was down by only two points with four minutes and twenty-nine seconds left versus UCLA, and then didn't score a single point. For the rest of the game. Zero points in the last four minutes of the half. Crunch time. Uh, Jacob Toppin missed two three-pointers, one two-point jumper, fouled once, and had one turnover in that time period. It was not a good finish for him. It was not a good finish for anybody on Kentucky. You know, Maddie, any thoughts on that before I go down the rest of my rant here I'm about to jump (laughs) on with Kentucky? Yeah, you know, you talked a little bit about Kentucky and their stats, but you look at it, UCLA shot 45.8% from the field. That's average. And, you know, like like you said, that's average, but Kentucky did not. No, they did (laughs) not. Well under average. Yeah. Um, You know, and it seemed like Kentucky couldn't, Either they couldn't get in front of them to stop them, or when they did get in front of them, they fouled. And, you know, if we continue on with my shtick, UK only thought shot 38.5% from the line, and UCLA shot 46.7. Absolutely terrible free throw shooting, but if you're going to foul or let them have an open shot, they're going to get points from the line, no yeah. matter how bad they're shooting. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You know, early this season, I thought that Kentucky's offense was going to be, like, one of the best in the conference. Mm-hmm. and But right now, that offense is no functionality whatsoever. Oh, it, yeah. it does not function. Uh, Kentucky is having problems with spacing. Their ball movement is bad on offense. Uh, they took poor quality shots during the game. Wallace Toppin and others struggled from the floor. Uh, Kentucky's defense, though... I think Kentucky's defense is fine. That's the thing. It's doing what it needs to do to win games, but Kentucky's offense, I think the big issue is is that it just truly lacks chemistry um, for it to be able to work. Um, Yeah, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, just watching that game, it was like Kentucky could not finish on easy shots, and it just felt their offense felt very disconnected. And, you know, kind of looking um, at, at the past, you know, to see if I can make any kind of connection... Kentucky hasn't beat a ranked team since when? When do you think that date was? Oh gosh, um, just going off the top of your head. Sometime in the SEC tournament, right? February nineteenth of twenty twenty-two. So they haven't beat a ranked team since February. That was to Alabama. They lost to Arkansas, Tennessee, Gonzaga, and UCLA. And they beat Alabama. That's who you said? Was their, was their last ranked win. And that was not the same Alabama team that it was this year. That no. Alabama team <laughs> would lose to Iona on, you know, and lose terrible games that they shouldn't lose. That's exactly. that's really concerning. Yeah, that's not something that you necessarily <laughs> want to see. Um, you know, part of it is, like, I talked about that functionality. This is a team that turns over the ball higher. That You know, it's the same issue that Alabama kind of has with turning mm-hmm. over the ball in that regard. Um, and we've seen him do it at crucial moments. And, you know, I, 
they have to do some work to get that offense working. Uh, that's that's got to be their focus from here on out. Absolutely. Um, on the other side of this, um, you know, we we talked a little bit about the offense and what I think it is. You know, shot selection, mm-hmm. spacing, passing. Um, numbers indicate that you look at the shot charts it says the exact same thing you look at game flow it's going to tell you that they just don't execute in those crucial moments as well um but like let's talk about the other side that's going on with kentucky right now um early this season we talked about this calipari is not the most popular person in lexington right now uh everywhere you look in big blue nation it's becoming they're becoming impatient with cal yeah uh cal perry entered the season was under more scrutiny than ever experienced as a college coach uh he's not going to get fired let's let's point this out but so kentucky fans before you think i'm about to say cal's getting fired no that's not going to happen um but kentucky fans are getting really tired of these losses and they're still upset about the way the last two seasons have went especially about a little team called saint peter's last year um so like you gonna make your peacock noise no i'm not gonna make the peacock <laughs> noise uh yeah there's a lot of frustration going on in this and cal perry talked up his team's you know offensive prowess in this preseason and that offense has not materialized he said in the beginning of this year this team is not where it wanted he wanted it to be they're getting close they're getting close to conference play now and they still don't look like a contender in the conference like just straight up they don't look like they're going to be there with the best with arkansas alabama and everyone else they look much better than the you know the bottom half of the conference but mm-hmm. like right now they look like the bottom feeder of the top, like, you know, the, the weakling runt in the litter, you know, whatever. Um, I think Matt Norlander said it best in his recent article article about Cal uh, and the Cats. He said that I'm not here to declare Kentucky season over. If anything, it hasn't really begun. UK can't get out of third gear against good teams most of the time. Matty, how much longer do you think Big Blue Nation is going to put up with this until they start speaking with their wallets and stop buying some tickets there and Rupp? You know, I think we're really going to be able to tell once we get deep into, not deep into SEC play, but first few games, you know, it's just one of those things like preseason, yeah, it matters, but the weight is so much different. Um, So I think once we see, I don't know, maybe two games into conference play is when they're really going to start making up their minds. Yeah, no, I mean, conference play is always a great indicator, right? So, I mean... Let me just pull it up here right right quick, fast, in a hurry, you know. <laughs> yeah, just looking at their schedule, their first three conference games. Now, granted, they have Louisville sandwiched in between two of these. Mm-hmm. I do need to mention that. Um, but they have Missouri. I like Kentucky against Missouri right yeah. now. Um, I don't care that that game's at Mizzou. LSU uh, and Rupp, and then they got to go on the road on January 7th to play Alabama. That Alabama game, you better win that Mizzou Louisville in between, and then LSU games. You better win all three of those to start getting a little bit of credit before you go play a really good team like that. But I will say that early into Kentucky's conference schedule, out of the first five games, you know, you got three teams that are outside the top 25, which is where Kentucky has been okay so far this season. So I think there's a good recovery place there. I think you got to figure out how you're going to win one of these road games against Alabama or Tennessee. Like that's going to be yeah. very, very important. All right, let's let's move on and let's talk about Alabama and Gonzaga. You know, my thoughts on this game: Gonzaga shot amazing. Yeah, not the <laughs> not the game not the game Tide fans wanted. Alabama fell to Gonzaga, hundred to ninety, scoring, 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 and more scoring. Where was the defense? <laughs> 
I honestly do not know. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I feel like we've talked about it previously. As much as Alabama is producing on offense, the teams that are playing them are too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama shot 51.7% from the field, but Gonzaga went for 57.1%. That's absurd. They did. But did you know what their second half field goal percentage was? What was their second half field goal percentage? 74.1. Yeah, you know, Gonzaga figured that out real quick. <laughs> they got some tape on that. Yeah, everybody in the conference said, this is where we go. Right? Unfortunately, not everybody has Drew Timmy, but, you know, that you know yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a qualifying factor. Uh, but, yeah, I think it was pretty obvious, you know, like coming into this game, like what was killing the Tide. Um, tide, you know, they, it's turnovers in defense, right? Yeah. Alabama... Coming into this game, average 16 turnovers a game. They got 21 against Gonzaga, <laughs> and that's not a blackjack, folks. Um, yeah, yeah. so Alabama has the sixth best offensive rating in the SEC, but their defensive rating is 92.5. Any guesses on who their neighbors are? And that stat, who's right around that 90 point, 92 for defensive? points? Yeah, for defensive rating. Mizzou? You're not too them. far off. That's actually a decent guess, but like, actually, like LSU, Florida, okay. and Georgia. Okay. Those aren't teams that I would necessarily associate with national cha- championship caliber exactly. right now. Um, so yeah. So where does that put the tide? Well, that puts them at a net rating. We talked about net rating yep. in that earlier episode <laughs> of 17. So where do you think that puts them in the conference? Uh, I mean, let's go Florida. Auburn, okay, and LSU. Those are where, when you put the offense and defense comparisons together, that's where Alabama's landing. Yeah, yeah I've seen some <laughs> analytics that show, like, if you take these stats, it puts them in a totally different place. Yeah. The stat that we're looking at, like, the comparing of the ratings there and getting that net, shows Alabama to be in a much different place than a lot of places are showing. Like, yeah. some show them to be one of the best teams out there with defensive and offensive, you know, ability. And then when you look at another completely different set of stats, is showing Alabama actually is one of as a mid tier team in the SEC. Yeah. Now I don't know which one that comes down to, but like when it comes to turnovers, no one is worse in the conference than Alabama. Um, what's going to happen to the Tide when they have to play good defenses on the road, like in an environment like Arkansas? Yeah, that's going to um, be rough for sure. Mississippi State, Tennessee. Those are good defenses. The hump's not necessarily known for as an electric atmosphere, but they got a good thing going right now. So maybe some fans are going to show up. So are the Tide just going to try to outscore every opponent that they play, or are they just going to turn over the ball against like Gonzaga and just you know get potentially run out of the gym? Yeah, I mean, if we we are talking about scoring, um, their one bright spot, Brandon Miller absolutely went off with thirty six points, even though the Tide still came up short. Yeah, no, I was just writing my notes. You're just, you're like, it's like you're reading my notes right now. It's like um, we've been doing this together for yeah, a while or something. Yeah, you figured out exactly where I'm going at. Yeah, it wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, yeah, Brandon Miller, pure Super Saiyan, uh, you know, got the job done. Um, put up 36 points. Noah Clowney grabbed 13 rebounds. Uh, Jaden Bradley, four assists. Freshmen were getting the job done for the Tide. I, you know, maybe the older guys need to start stepping it up a little bit to uh, bring this Tide team together. I think so. Um, you know, I think it's going to be hopefully a pretty easy road the next few games for Alabama. Not saying it's going to be a breeze, no. but um, 
hopefully it'll give them some time to work on that defensive strategy a little bit. Hopefully up those numbers. Here's the odd thing is, is that I do think this is kind of like the overreaction game of the week. Mm -hmm. Because, like, let's be fair. The Tide don't have a bad loss. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Gonzaga is a good team. It's not like losing to... UCF. That was a top 15 mess. Yeah, no, definitely wasn't like losing to UCF. Um, but yeah, that was a top 15 matchup. And the only teams that the Tide have lost to this year are UConn and Gonzaga. Yeah. That's it. Those are top 15 teams. Both of them are. Those are really good teams. And both of them occurred at neutral sites. Now, granted, Birmingham's a little bit less neutral than Portland, Oregon. Yeah. But like, still, those games were away from Coleman. And at the end of the day, like, Bama still looks like they're a good team. Now, do they have issues that they have to fix? Absolutely. You have to fix these issues. Otherwise, you're not going to reach your goals. And now the story of down the line, if you don't don't do something when you're a team that's this good, when does the narrative that, you know, Rick Barnes has start coming on NATO? That's my next question. Speaking of Rick Barnes, let's talk about Tennessee and Arizona. Man, that one was a good game. Very physical. Very hard fought. You went to bed. Arizona outlasted Tennessee. You went to bed. I you? did go to bed. I was about to say, you went <laughs> to bed. Don't lie to me. Listen, I've been watching the niece and nephew all week. I was exhausted. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I watched this game, but yeah, I'm sure you watched I watched highlight. about half. <laughs> yeah, you watched about half of it, yeah. And, and, you know, and I know you caught up on the highlights, too. So, <laughs> yep. I mean, like, yeah. But yeah, I know you went to bed. <laughs> I know you at this point. You're like my wife. You're like, oh, it's 9 p.m. It's time to go to bed. 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock? This is way Getting past wild. my bedtime. Getting wild tonight. You Man, know, 27 never hit so hard. It really didn't. <laughs> yeah, no. Tennessee lost a game they probably shouldn't have lost, in my opinion, no. in Arizona. Um, they lost 75-70, to 70, and a lot of criticism from Vol fans was on the offense. But what if I told you something? Oh, yeah. You're going to tell me. I was probably Yeah, I'm going to start this it. off like a 30 for 30. But what if I told you? <laughs> yeah. But what if I told you the volunteer shot 42.9% from the floor? It's not horrible. That's no, pretty close to the average. You know, it's just on the lower end. It's still above 40%. What if I told you the Vols took advantage of the free throw line and shot 80% in this game? But what if I told you, David? Oh, I have more. That the difference in this game was definitely the free throws. Because of Arizona. Oh, no, the free throw discrepancy is there. Uh, okay. We, we'll, okay. Yeah, it we'll was definitely there. one okay. set. Yeah. Let's go. But what if I told you <laughs> the Vols were right in the middle of the pack in the SEC when it came to offensive rating? It wouldn't surprise me. You wouldn't surprise you? Mm-mm. What if I told you Tennessee has one of the best net, has the best, the best net rating in the SEC? That one surprises me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are surprising things. So is the issue actually the offense? No. Oh, yeah, it is. It's absolutely offense. Really? I think it's a balance between both. No, no, I'll, I'll explain. Like, it, it's like, yeah, there's things that they can improve, that they have a great defense, but I, I feel like this issue is definitely the offense. If one of the, it's one of those things that you don't look at numbers necessarily for all the time. Like, you can see it without the numbers. Check out the game flow in this game. When the second, when the second half starts, there is a little orange line that stays right under the blue one. That's Tennessee staying close to Arizona, but never breaking their line and taking the lead in this game. You watch the game. You watch it time and a time again. Tennessee had a chance to take the lead in this game, and what happened? They rushed a three. They rushed a three. They turned the ball over in a backcourt violation. Their offense just never complimented their defense in the entire in the entire game. Anytime there was a clutch or important possession for their offense, the Vols fell flat on their face. That's just what happened. 
Uh, even when the momentum was with them, they fell. They, you know, they just couldn't get it done. Team could never cross the Rubicon to take the lead in this game against Arizona. Uh, Maddie, what are your thoughts on the Vols, like overall? You know, I, I feel like we had very high expectations for them going into the season. And like you said, they have a lot of issues that they need to fix that either, you know, we may have overlooked. It's kind of like me with red flags. Sometimes you you try and see the better side and it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you just, you've got all this offense and you would think that eventually math would pay off. But like the reason that we still have coaches and not computers on the sidelines of courts, baseball games and any sports is that there's a human element to everything. Yep. And I think the human element for Tennessee is right now, like, after seeing this Arizona game, it makes me think that they just have to believe they can win ball games Because, like, you look at the reputation, like, these guys have played for Rick Barnes. And what's the, what's the, what's the thing with Rick Barnes? He can't get deep into the tournament at Tennessee right yeah. now. So, I mean, like, maybe that's some level also in their players' mind. Maybe not the exact same pressure, but, like, a similar thought. Like, oh, we've been here before, and we didn't win. Yeah. Yeah. So did you learn from it? Did you grow from it? Or is that thought still lingering in your mind? You know, like a little little traumatic stress back there <laughs> that's hanging around. I don't know, but it's one of those things that I think coaching has to fix. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, they might be one of these teams like, oh, we won the SEC tournament last year. We're good. And <laughs> they just kind of take it at face value. But I feel like they're going to need to keep pushing, doing better, or something's going to happen over in Tennessee. Most worthless banner of the entire season, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. I know Tennessee fans aren't going to be happy with me saying that, but like I, I continue every year. I watch the SEC tournament. I just go, this is worthless. Why do we do this? <laughs> like, we need to stop this practice. <laughs> I, I believe in Cinderella, but I really don't. Like, it helps no one who's actually good. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a whole different topic, but yeah. I do think that Tennessee is a good basketball team. I think they're a top 25 team. I think they're a little overrated right now. And I also think that Tennessee, until they figure out that issue that they're having on these court against these good teams, you know, they played well against Kansas. They got to figure out how they did that against Kansas and then figure out how to keep going and finding that ability to win those games, especially when they're close like that. Because Rick Barnes has to get deeper into the tournament in Tennessee. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually we're going to be talking about a really good job opening up in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Tennessee's one of these teams that have the puzzle, they have the pieces, they just got to put it together. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about something completely different. Okay, one of the non-marquee matchups of the week. Arkansas, they're one of them. They did not have that high-profile matchup uh, this week, but they did something that they didn't do last year. At this time last year, Arkansas lost to Oklahoma and Tulsa, and then followed it up with an embarrassing loss to Hofstra in North Little Rock. This year, they get their revenge against a better, not better than the Hogs, but a better Oklahoma team in Tulsa, and then they followed up with a dominant defensive performance against Bradley in the 501. You know, that's not a stat, but there's a big difference between this year's team and last year's team. But that last year's team made the Elite Eight. So how far... Does this team go? And before you answer that, I have two things for okay, you. Okay, let's go. Chuck Barrett said on the radio this week that one of the difference between this team and last year's team is the talent. And I don't mean that just from the talent. Like, yeah, we know they're good. Mm-hmm. But when he was talking about when you get this level of talent, it, it builds chemistry because good players want to play with good players. 
And that's what's working with Arkansas earlier in the chemistry process than it did with teams of last year. And then Arkansas has the fourth best net rating in the SEC, the third best defensive rating in the SEC, and are basically tied with Alabama on offensive rating. And the second best true shooting percentage in the SEC. Now, what are your thoughts? You know, I really think one of the biggest difference going from last year, last year's team to this current team is confidence. Yeah. Like, you know, that Oklahoma loss blew out our confidence, went and tired to Hofstra, lost that one. And then you look at this team, you know, I was reading um, some comments from Coach Muss, and he mentioned, you know, after first couple of James, games for Jordan Walsh, he was like, dude, like, you got to be more confident. Like, you're a good player. And look what he's done the past few games. Yeah, he's exploded. He had 18 exactly. points against Bradley, and he was... If he didn't fell out of that game, I don't know how great that game would have been for him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, confidence is key here with this team. They have the talent. They can display it. Um, and then also, like you said, chemistry. Chemistry is big with this team. Um, you know, I think they all get along really well. And it's one of those things, like, you get these college athletes that are all super competitive, and you're going to not so much compete against each other, but you're like, oh, he's playing awesome. Like, I'm going to play awesome too to be on each other's level at least. You know what I find really interesting is like Ricky Council, Mm -hmm. you know, C4 is the leading scorer for, I believe, the entire SEC. Well, who's the player that everybody talks about in Fayetteville right now? Nick Smith Jr. Nick Smith Jr. Yeah. He's not out there doing what Ricky Council's doing, but everybody's talking about Nick Smith Jr. I'm not criticizing Nick Smith Jr., but, like, C4 is totally okay with that. And, like, because he's playing with another good player, they don't care necessarily about who's getting the publicity. They care about what they're doing on the court, which is, like, really great to see. And it's like, I'm going to go out here and do my thing. I'm going to get my praise. You go get your praise. And then we're all going to be on this thing together because, you know, when we're all winning, winning is fun. And winning is exactly what we want to do. So, yeah, no, that chemistry aspect is really good. And, you know, you saw him today – they probably all seem pretty chill, I'm guessing, yeah. together. Yeah, you know, it was all, you know, everybody kind of hanging out around, you know, it was, it wasn't like clickish. It was everybody was talking to everybody, having a good time, you know, laughing, talking to the people, talking to the kids. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that winning's fun and that's, yeah. you, you're just going to be with your bros at that point. You yeah. just keep on winning. I feel like a lot of times when you get that level of talent together, it's going to either, go that way in a positive direction or it's going to be like oh like this guy's taking my spotlight thankfully yeah that doesn't we don't seem have, like this arkansas team we don't have a drama you know we don't have that drama issue as far as i know on this team yeah. which is really great um yeah they're they're really good right now arkansas is projected to four seed in most brackets that i'm seeing including lenardi who we talked about earlier in the show i i think it's important that arkansas continues to improve that seed all all time only 8.14 8.14, whatever, mm-hmm. of four seeds make the final four. Why? Because they have to play a number one seed most of the yeah. time in the Sweet 16. But that percentage jumps to 11% if you're a three seed. It jumps to 21.5% if you're a two seed. And it jumps to 40.12% if you're a one seed. Those are much different numbers. <laughs> um, so I think a two or three seed is absolutely in the hog's grasps. Uh, I think that that's the focus that needs to be happening yeah. through the course of conference play. And we'll get into conference play later, but like the goal for Arkansas is to get the best seed possible. Yeah. I think realistically three seed and hopefully two seed for Arkansas, but this is also coming from someone who puts Arkansas 
in the championship every single year on her bracket. Don't mention that. So, People are going to think we're not credible anymore. I'm not a bracketologist. <laughs> hey, I'm slowly getting into SEC. <laughs> It's okay. I had the Hogs in my final four, but I also had them playing Texas Tech, not Duke, <laughs> and uh, in, in my Elite Eight. I did have them beating Gonzaga, and I was very serious about that. So everyone looked at me like, they're not beating Gonzaga. It's like, they're beating Gonzaga. I've seen Gonzaga play. They're beating Gonzaga. Um, circle these dates, because they're the most, over the next two months, these are the most mm-hmm. important dates for the Razorbacks. At Auburn, January 7th. Alabama, January 11th. At Baylor, January 28th. At Kentucky, February 7th. Mississippi State, February 11th. At Alabama, February 25th. At Tennessee, February 28th. And Kentucky, March 4th. Now, what do all these games have in common? Do you have a guess, Maddie? I mean, most of them are away. A lot of them are away, yeah. Five of five of those are actually on the road, yes. Yep. I don't know. What's, what's our commonality there, David? They're all quadrant one win opportunities like for it. the Hogs. <laughs> uh, three chances at Bud Walton Arena, five chances on the road. Crucial, crucial games for the Hogs. Win as many of those you can and make the committee give you the seed that you think you deserve. Um, yeah, that's exactly... You're going to melt your path to the Final Four in that yep. way. And I know that's the way a lot of Hog fans are thinking. Trust me, if we see them. Everybody tweeting the word natty. Um, <laughs> you know, but like... I, I said at the beginning of the season, I think this is an Elite Eight team with the potential to make the Final Four. I did not say, like, straight up, they're making the Final Four, but I think this is the team that closes the gap between the difference that we saw the last couple of years between Duke and Baylor and the Elite Eight. This is a team that's on that talent level to where they can win that Elite Eight game and get into the Final Four. And who knows? You might get lucky and draw St. Peter's in your Elite Eight game um, and make the Final Four pretty pretty comfortably. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't count out St. Peter's after last year's performance too quickly. Wait, you're gonna say the 15 seed for the first time is now gonna make the Final Four after they just made the Elite Eight for the first time last hey, year? I don't know. It, it's gonna be like something else. That's what you're saying. Okay, let's talk about this upcoming week. All right. Let's start off with Florida versus Oklahoma. Tuesday, Gators take on the Sooners in Charlotte, North Carolina. What is with all these neutral side games? I'm so like, can we just play a game in Gainesville or Norman? Like, that would be fine. Uh, both the Gators and Sooners are outside the top 50 in the net. Uh, this would be a quad two win for both teams, but both teams have had some bad losses and some wins to help their season. But neither one has a quad win yet, quad one win yet, and this game could turn into a quad one win. What are your uh, initial thoughts when you look at this thing? You know, I think we can expect. Um a good spectated basketball game. Not necessarily it's going to be a great game because both teams are great, but you know, I feel like these teams are pretty even caliber um, just based on looking at stats, looking at previous games. Um, They're right next to each other in the net too. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, Florida going into it needs to be cautious of Sherfield. He gave Arkansas a little bit of trouble, you know, before they ran away with it. Um, their scoring offense, you know, looking at that, Florida is tied for 69th and Oklahoma's tied for 233rd. So, I mean, you look at that, there's some discrepancy, but then you look at <laughs> scoring defense, Oklahoma's tied for 34th and Florida's tied for 155th. It's not any time that I hear someone talk about being tied for something in the 200s. <laughs> well, I, where I was getting with that, you know. <laughs> I know where you were going. Florida's <laughs> offense against... Oklahoma's defense versus Oklahoma's 
perspectively bad offense against Florida's bad defense. <laughs> Entertainment, nonetheless, yeah. is what exactly. you're saying. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, no, uh, Sherville, definitely a guy that you got to look out for yeah. if you're uh, if you're the Gators. 17.6 points per game. Yeah, that's, that's someone... Grant somebody you want to know where he is on the floor, and you want to make sure you have a body next to him the entire time. Do not let that man get off some easy shot. As for Colin Castleton, yeah, he can make a difference in this game, and I think he's going to be matched up with Tanner Grove in this game. Uh, Tanner Tanner did not see a lot of floor time in that uh, that Arkansas game that we saw in Tulsa, mainly because fouls. I was Um, about to say, foul trouble did him in on that one. Yeah, but, like, that's that's a piece that—that's the matchup you're going to be watching between Mm -hmm. that. And I know Colin Castleton is a good— low man, you know, somewhere in the front court to get things done. So that's going to be the matchup to watch in that game, I think. Yeah. For the rest, if you're if you're Fudge or anybody else out there for the Gators, go find that man. Mississippi State versus Drake. Uh, that game is also going to be on Tuesday. Bulldogs meet the Bulldogs in the Battle of the Vault in Lincoln, Nebraska. The high-flying metro of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, Mississippi State comes off a near disaster against Nichols this week, is looking to uh, pick up a good quad three win. Why are we talking about this game? Well, there's a reason. It's because this game would likely turn into a quad two win uh, for Mm. the Bulldogs should they pick this up. Uh, Drake was one of those teams that were in the mid-majors that we thought were going to be better uh, than what they actually turned out to be. Uh, This game is going to be a low-scoring game. Both teams uh, play a deliberate pace. Drake does play faster than Mississippi State, but both teams average under 70 possessions a game. What are you kind of thinking in this one? You know, um, like you said, Drake, decent mid-major team, but somebody's better call PETA because it's going to be a dog fight. And oh, I think one of the, that's a bad The joke. Drake Bulldogs are going down. <laughs> you think the Drake Bulldogs are going down? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so here's my only concern about this. Yes, I do agree with you. Mississippi State is more than likely going to beat Drake. Um, but here's the thing. Mississippi State, in its last two games against Nichols and Jackson State, did the thing that they hadn't done for a really long time. They allowed teams to score more than 55 points against them, which mm-hmm. was the highlight for Mississippi State for the first like eight games of the season for them. That defense finally, you know, points got put up against them, and Nichols was a rebound away from sending that game into overtime and a missed three-pointer away from winning that game. Yep. I don't know if you watched the highlights to that one, but it, it got a little scary there in Starkville uh, for some folks and what's an undefeated Mississippi State team. They they almost tasted defeat in a way that you didn't want. Jans looked... He looked mad That's yep. you know, <laughs> at the end of that game. The man was upset. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that an upset is brewing, but like... Drake's decent enough that, like, I do think they're going to put up a pretty good fight. And it wouldn't surprise me on a neutral floor, especially because I believe Drake is in Iowa. There's going to be some Drake fans there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I can see this getting pretty interesting pretty fast. Yeah, I think the only thing here is, you know, with like you said, with the near upset upset with Mississippi State, I think they're going to get in the gym, correct it, because they are on such a good trajectory right now for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think Mississippi State is definitely in a good place. Mm-hmm. I think that team moving forward right now is trying to figure out their talent issues that they may have, and yeah. they're trying to make sure that all the bases in their game are covered to make sure when they go into SEC play, they have the best, shiny, prettiest record <laughs> that they have, and then when they go through the battlefield and they start getting scarred up from everything that's going to happen in the next two months, 
they still have a pretty good resume and they make their way into the NCAA tournament. That's the goal for Mississippi State. I truly believe that. I think they're going to probably eventually end up a seven seed or an eight seed is how that will probably go down the line. But I, I think this is an important game for Mississippi State to make sure that they can continue down that path and to make sure they get those issues corrected in the gym, like you said. (laughs) Let's talk about Auburn versus Washington. Originally, this was the game of the week. I changed that. Um, I know if you go look back in the schedule at the beginning of the year and we're like, oh, Auburn versus Washington, you said this is the game to watch. I wouldn't call that this the game to watch anymore. Um, Auburn continues its tour of the West Coast and heads to Seattle. Um, Tigers coming off a rough loss today to UFC. Really bad loss on the road a game in which i said auburn's going to beat them and yep. they didn't and usc kept trying to give them the win they really did i caught maybe the last like three four minutes of that game and it was just kind of like oh here we'll give you a foul we'll let you shoot some free throws we'll give you an opportunity to score and auburn still couldn't pull out i one. know <laughs> I know, it was ridiculous. Like, every time Auburn was like, oh, yeah, we're going to take the lead now. We're about to go on a run. USC would start scoring again. And then at the end of the game, USC is just trying to lose it. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Auburn right now could be headed toward a bad season. Tigers cannot make this two losses in a row. Auburn has lost its last two P7 matchups this season. Uh, They have won two out of four of them. Not not ideal if you're trying to get a top seed. That's why Lenardi and everybody else has them around that 7-8 mark yeah. right now uh, going into the tournament. Um, Auburn has no Q1 wins. They're trending to head out of the top 50 in the net. I, I think Auburn is finding itself in the same place that Arkansas was last year Yeah. at this exact same time going into conference play. Record doesn't really reflect where this team actually is. Auburn is on a spot where they could find themselves looking at the NIT if they're not careful. Yeah, you know, for me, expectations are not super high from Auburn here after the last few games. Um, Looking at Washington's record, one of their last two, one of the two of their last losses um, came from Gonzaga, which we talked a little bit ago about how good this Uh, Gonzaga Gonzaga beat the pants off that Washington (laughs) team. I mean, they beat them. Yeah. In the kennel, like you wouldn't believe. I was watching that game because it was like only one of the few good games that were on (laughs) on Friday and uh, that Friday night. And I was like, good grief. And every time I thought, oh, Washington's going to find a way back in this game. No, they did not. It was it was Gonzaga shutting that door really quick. Well, I mean, in the end, it was only a 17 point loss, which only well, it's Gonzaga. We're (laughs) we're talking about Auburn playing Washington here. Yeah, fair Um, enough. But, you know, Auburn's 48 in the net currently. Washington's sitting at 88, which Again, you look at Auburn's losses or wins. There's not a whole lot for that resume. So. They, do, they do not have the resume. Playing in the Cancun lack of challenge does nothing for you. We've we've mentioned playing this. close games in the Cancun, Cancun lack, lack of, of challenge. challenge does nothing for you. Uh, Auburn's Auburn's headed toward some Texas A&M territory right now, um, yes. and I don't even think they realize it. Their records does not tell you that but you know i'm pretty sure auburn fans are going we're nine and two we're fine (laughs) no you're really not you're that that's a you're saying that because you're scared (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're very scared right now and i need to if you're not if you're not scared right now if you're an auburn fan you're delusional which is (laughs) something that's worse so understand where you are right now because right now this this auburn team's in a bad place yeah and I think they got to fix this thing immediately and start finding some wins because their non-conference did nothing for them. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely cannot lose this Washington game. 
It is a must win in Seattle, and lucky for you, Washington is not a great team. But here's the bad part. I think Washington's better than USC. So, Auburn, go get a win. You can't lose this one. Good luck. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's talk about Mizzou and Illinois, which is the game that I've made, the game of the week this time. Look, I know, I know. Last time that we made a Mizzou rivalry game, the game of the week, against Kansas, it did not turn out particularly well. Um, But Thursday, the Tigers are taking on Illinois and St. Louis. Um, The Tigers got blown out last time against Kansas. We know that in their last top 25 matchup. But they rebounded. They did. And they bounced back and got a game-winning shot against UCF. Did Did you catch that game? I caught a little bit of it. It was on and off, uh, switching between that game and there was another game on. No, I, I don't was, know. I don't remember which one it was, but there was another game on. I was switching back and forth between. I think Alabama started like at halftime during that yeah, game. That's what it was. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep. So, and it was also on Bali Sports. Like, oh, it the quality was terrible. My nephew walked in the room. He said, "Wow, are they shooting this on a camera phone?" <laughs> yeah, it was not good. Yeah, it, 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 it horrible, horrible. And you know, Bali Sports though, like they normally like do like hockey games and yeah. NBA basketball. Like that's your right? local regional challenge. <laughs> it's the old Fox Sports Network. But like, what the crud was that broadcast? Um, oh, absolutely horrible. Amazing shot to win the game. Right. Um, Auburn could not be stopped from three. Or not Auburn. And Mizzou could not be stopped from uh, from three in that yep. game. Uh, Honor went absolutely insane. Um, oh my gosh! I, I I remember tweeting out during that game where we were watching it, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, that's funny." The uh, they're shooting they're shooting five out of eight from the field right now from three. Is this sustainable? I have no idea, but it is thrilling <laughs> yes, and entertaining. <laughs> it is much right. watch TV. Um, yeah, if 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 Mizzou could get that three ball going, it's definitely a team that can upset some teams. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely got that quality about it. But you know, Illinois is also a good team, understandably. But they've been a little underwhelming at times too. They've lost to Maryland, Virginia. I know those are ranked teams, but they also lost to Penn State uh, mm-hmm. to start Big Ten, Big Ten conference play. Yeah, you know. Mizzou really surprised me this week against UCF. Um, if you listen to the podcast before, you know I don't have a whole lot of hope in this Mizzou team at all. No. But I don't expect the same outcome of this Illinois game. You know, we've talked time and time again about how Mizzou is fantastic on offense. But again, look at their resume. Yeah. They haven't had a whole lot of defense to play against. Yeah, and then they played the UCF game this week, which is honestly their best win of the season mm-hmm. um neutral site game against a good team now granted there was no one in the building um for that game um that is a pathetic setup for a uh for a multi-team event you know going yeah. on out there but yeah no in all honesty mizzou this is their best win of the season and we finally i think we got to see where they're going to actually be at because that's a team that's comparable to the teams that are closer to them in SEC play, because I think that UCF team is close to where Ole Miss, um, maybe LSU. I'd say Georgia at this point. Georgia. Yeah, that, that UCF team is around that tier of play. So maybe Mizzou's a little bit better than what everyone's kind of thinking of right now. So I'm not saying I'm gaining a ton of faith in Mizzou, but they definitely have a resume point I can look at now and go, this team can play a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, they can, they can beat some decent competition. Um, so we're going to see how this this goes um for this illinois game 
both these teams they have an extremely high pace to them on the yep. uh, and, and they they both average over 70 possessions a game um so this game is going to go up and down the court a uh, couple of names for mizzou fans to know terrence shannon illinois leading scorer with 17.8 points per game cole hawkins illinois top rebounder and he's also a very good passer in illinois uh number one assist player or Leader in assists, whatever. I, I, I don't know. It's getting late when we're recording this. I do like Illinois in this game, but Mizzou has momentum and a lot to play for when it comes to their postseason hopes. You know, for some reason in my notes this week, my favorite stat to look at was scoring offense and scoring defense. Mizzou's ranked fourth, Illinois at 78, but the big discrepancy here was the scoring defense. Illinois tied for 40th, which pretty decent. Not bad. And uh, Mizzou's tied for 305. So not good, not good. Yeah, um, I do like Illinois, mm-hmm. and I understandably like Illinois. I think, but Mizzou's going to be competitive, and I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes that they did in that Kansas game. The, the question is also, in year one, do you believe that Dennis Gates is going to continuously get Mizzou better? You know, I think if he continues on the path where he improves a little each year, continues to get better recruits moving forward, um, you know, I th- I think there is some light at the end of the tunnel. No, for I'm him. talking though, like strictly this season. Strictly this season. Like, do you think this Mizzou team is going to get better from where they start in November to when we're going to see them in March in the uh, SEC tournament? I think play wise, yes because they're going to get some, you know, experience under their belt and he's going to get some experience under his belt as a new coach. But if we're looking strictly at record, no. Oh, okay. No. no. You don't think that's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. That's reasonable. That's totally reasonable. Um yeah. We're going to see where Mizzou goes this season, but like this is their last chance to get a really good win mm-hmm. for their postseason hopes. So I think it's definitely going to be a interesting one. Yeah. All right, Maddie, let's talk about the thing that I've been the most excited about this week. Talking oh, about for the Yeah, this is going to be fun. We are giving out Christmas presents. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. I about to say, I didn't want to make that corny joke because I make all the corny jokes on this show. So you absolutely, and thank you for getting the Santa You're Claus welcome. sound up in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> so good, so good, so good. We are giving out Christmas gifts to every single SEC team this year. Some of them will like their gifts. Some of them will not. Um, but you know what? The worst thing you can always get is a lump of coal. We'll talk about that in a second. All right. Let's start with my first gift of the night, and uh, we'll talk about both both teams. We're going to start tonight with Alabama. We're going to go in alphabetical order, unless you particularly want to go in a different order. No, that is fine. Okay. Um, I think that works out for my worst gifts at the bottom. So Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Um, Alabama. My gift actually goes out to Alabama fans. Um, and not necessarily the team. I give you guys a game against IUPUI. And the reason is because Nate Oates keeps scheduling ga- these games against Power 7 teams. And y'all could probably use an easy win at this point. So, to give y'all a little bit of a break. Because I know I've seen y'all talk about this a little bit. How about I- IUPUI? Do you, do you think I think you could use that game? That's my Christmas gift to you. Let's see if we can get, can't get that done. Go ahead, I Maddie. like that one. You like that um, one? So my gift for Alabama is a lucky rabbit's foot. They're going to need it to keep Brandon Miller on this hot streak that he's on. I so, like it. You know, I think a little bit of luck will do him some good after their last couple of games. Also make sure he stays healthy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of luck. Make yeah. sure that the uh, all the freshmen <laughs> stay healthy for that Alabama team. 
All right, let's talk about the Hogs. Uh, Arkansas. For Arkansas, I am giving you a better draw in the Maui tournament. Louisville is absolutely pathetic in the net, and San Diego State keeps floating back and forth between a Q1 win. Uh, so I'm going to help you guys out a little bit and give you a couple of games against teams that aren't going to change your net rate, rating every 20 minutes. So just, just a little bit of help out there, Hogs. Uh, you know, my love to you. Let's get you. Let's go back to Maui and get you guys a better draw in this tournament. So my nephew actually helped me with this one. Okay, let's for hear it. for Arkansas, we are giving them Fortnite chug jugs. Okay, to refill health and shield for <laughs> some of these upcoming games. Video you game. know, looking at it, um, you know, we kind of had a little scare with Nick Smith, the ankle injury. Um, Trevin Brazil, you know, still sending up our thoughts and prayers to him yes. with that ACL injury. Hopefully, recovers quickly. But we got to keep our players healthy. We got to make sure that we're staying strong on defense. So. I love it. I love it. That you know, that's that's a good gift. I'm sure Muss will take that at this point. Uh, let's talk about Auburn. I'm giving Wendell Green a new phone since he uh, drowned his in the Dead Sea uh, this summer. So uh, that's my gift to you. I, I'm not saying I can afford anything super nice, but we'll uh, we'll see what we can do there. Get you a little flip phone. Get you a little flip phone. Um. So Auburn's not gonna like my gift, but we're gonna give them the season their fans all expect them to have. <laughs> So the delusional ones, obviously, they're I know winning they every are. game. Yep, they go to law school with one. <laughs> but yeah, so there you go, Auburn. I mean, they would probably love it if they got that season, but it's a little bit of sarcasm in there. Madison, I kid. All right, <laughs> All right let's talk about Florida. I am giving y'all a time machine so y'all could go fast forward into the future and to the second year under Todd Golden. Look, I don't know if y'all are going to make the NCAA your tournament or not, but I promise things are going to get better under Todd Golden. He's a good coach, so save you the pain and suffering from this year, Florida fans. We'll go into the future with this time machine. Go ahead, Maddie. So for me, for Florida, um, I am going to the copy machine. And we're going to make a copy of Colin Castleton and Will Richard. No, oh, you're just going <laughs> to put them out and just yep. get some extra talent on the floor? Exactly. We're going to have at least two Colin Castletons, two Will Richards, and then we can throw a rotational fifth player in there. Um, because that's really, in my opinion, all they got going for them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For Georgia, I am giving them an extra minute against Georgia Tech. Okay. Oh, I know okay, the pain. Like the pain. Go win that thing, you guys. Uh, you guys kept that thing really close, and I know it would be meaningful for meaningful for y'all if y'all could just get a, one more chance to knock down that game-winning shot. I like that one. I think Georgia will like it too. Um, honestly, I feel like Georgia's already gotten the best gift of all. They have had a better season than anyone expected, especially of us so yeah. far. So. They're really, like, riding on cloud nine. I don't think What we can, can we give a team that, you know, <laughs> exactly. already socks? You get socks. Congratulations. <laughs> Exceeding expectations. Exceeding already. expectations. Kentucky, I am giving you a junior chemistry set because uh, God knows that you need it for your offense. <laughs> okay, for Kentucky, they are getting a time machine so they can start this year over. <laughs> no, they, they get to go back in time, unlike Florida. Okay. I, I'm liking more. I like where our heads were at. We're a little bit. Like, let's give some wild gifts here. Um, this is much better than the one that Fishback does on uh, SEC Network. I'm just saying. I did not get this idea from him. I actually texted you before I saw he was doing that on SEC Network. All right, LSU. I am giving you a functioning shot clock so the K State game doesn't happen again. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, we're going back to the copy machine for LSU. We're going to take a couple copies of K.J. Williams. K.J. Williams, good grief. 
All right, we're gonna have some monsters in this league. You start copying people like that. I mean, hey, I'm I'm a gift giver at heart. I try and give everyone the best gifts I can. So I already told you who I have my idea. A very similar gift I'm giving out to another team. Okay. So, yep. All right. So uh, Ole Miss, I'm giving you another trip to Omaha so you can make sure that you're better than than Mississippi State in at least one sport this year. Congratulations. <laughs> Be good at baseball because football didn't work out for y'all, obviously, in the Egg Bowl. And Mississippi State is probably the better basketball team. So a trip to Omaha for your baseball team. I'm going to give Ole Miss um, a win against Mississippi State because I feel like they just need it at this point. Okay. They just need, they just need <laughs> they, it at this they point. They just need it. <laughs> they need it to help their ego a little bit. <laughs> well, for Mississippi State, I'm giving the uh, I'm giving the fans nitroglycerin pills. And this is for a very specific reason because I feel like they're going to, uh, you know, put up some heart attacks when it comes up and into uh, conference play this season. So uh, I think you're going to need them. So uh, good luck with that. There's going to be a lot of close games for Mississippi State this year. I hope this helps. Yeah. Um, so this one is strictly based off of one of Mississippi State's tweets I saw earlier today. Um, they are getting tickets to the DJ Jeffrey show. You know, <laughs> they've recently nicknamed him Showtime. So I think if he keeps that up, um, they could make a deeper run than anyone really expected them to. That's pretty good. I like that. That's That's nice. That's nice. All right, for Mizzou, the greatest gift of all, I feel like, for a team who's in Mizzou shoe, I am giving you an upset. Use it whenever you're ready. <laughs> Just, you know, save it for Arkansas, save it for Kentucky, or go ahead and use it this weekend against Illinois, or this week against Illinois. But we, we, we all know it's eventually coming. So, like, you're going to upset somebody, so I'm giving you an upset. Feel free to use it whenever you want to use it. For me, um, Missouri already got their Christmas present. They got a number two play on the Sports Center top ten. I think that's as good as it's going to get for them. They get socks too. They get socks. They get socks. Okay. <laughs> South Carolina, much like Maddie, unlike the copy machine, I'm going with the cloning machine. Is the way that I wrote mine up. So uh, you guys can clone Gigi Jackson, and uh, it's not really for South Carolina. It's uh, it's for Gigi Jackson's back. I don't want him to hurt it for carrying that carrying team this team. year. <laughs> South Carolina's getting coal. That's it. <laughs> they're getting cold. They're, they're under naughty list. Because they are terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, for Tennessee, I am giving um, a makeup kit so they can hide the blemishes that they have on offense. Um, you know, make them look a little bit better. But I feel like the stats kind of do that already. But, like, everybody already knows that you're ugly underneath there. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. But makeup is what I'm giving Tennessee. You know, they've got two options for me. It's going to be like a magician's pick a card. They either get the Uno reverse card or a get out of jail free card that they can give to the refs after this game against Arizona. <laughs> um, so for Texas A&M, I am giving them that mirror from Harry Potter that shows you your deepest desires. Um, and that way they can see themselves in the NCAA tournament this year because uh, going down the road they're currently on. They're not going to be there, so that mirror from Harry Potter, go ahead. You get that, Texas A&M. Look into your deepest desires, because I don't think it's coming this year. For Texas A&M, I am giving them the season we expected them to have before everything got started. Oh, you know, there we if you go. go back and listen to, I think it was our first, second episode, and we were doing some previews, we gave Texas A&M a little bit of praise, and uh, at this point, I'm sure that they would like that 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 team that we expected. Yeah, I, I'm sure that, I, you know, Arkansas fans, I think, would actually like that team, so they have another quad one opportunity <laughs> at home. Like, you know, that's the thing with Texas A&M being bad. So, right. like, you know. <laughs> All right. 
My last gift I'm giving out, Vanderbilt, you get coal. Congratulations. No way. Yeah. So they have matching coal because that's what they're getting from me too. <laughs> yeah. No, you get coal for making me believe in you this off season. So congratulations, you get coal. You also get coal for, you know, being awful. Like just terrible. Yeah, you get coal. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you could go pick some up in West Virginia at some point. <laughs> it's not too far away from Nashville, I don't believe. Um, that's terrible geography. It's You know what I'm saying. Yeah, go get some coal. I got you. They don't have anything better to do. They can take a drive. Hey, it's something. It's, pick some up on the way back from Chicago in that NC State <laughs> game. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, this just awful. Terrible, terrible team. But you know what? I hope everybody else enjoys their gifts this season. Exactly. You know, and um, this will probably be the last time that they hear from us until Christmas. So a lot of teams. Hopefully, yeah. uh, they enjoy their Christmas presents as much as these teams enjoy the presents that we gave them. Yeah, except for Vanderbilt, who you know is going to in <laughs> South Carolina. South Carolina for you. I gave them coal. You gave they them coal. <laughs> yeah, just Vandy gets coal for me. But you know, I'm a little bit nicer Santa Claus than Maddie. So hey, I'm a great Santa Claus when you're on the nice list. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, Maddie, I want to say thank you for doing this podcast with me. You are absolutely amazing. And Merry Christmas. Oh, thanks, David. You're Merry welcome. Merry Christmas, you too. Mm-hmm. And we will try to go to a game here together soon. Um, I, am I up appreciate for it. you doing this nonsense with me. So happy holidays. Hey, the nonsense is fantastic. All right, you wanna... I'm all about the nonsense. So typically, um, I would badmouth Texas at this point of the show, but yeah. given the news that we had earlier in the show, I'm not going to do that today. I don't think it can get any worse for them, no matter what you say, David. I don't. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to badmouth somebody else. Um, let's see. Who can I badmouth this week? Um, figure it out. I'll figure it out. Oh, you know what? We actually forgot one more thing. Oh, so forget? we had a contest that we put out on the Twitter um, page this week. And which we were going to name the winner of this. And we were going to do a deep dive episode on their conference play uh, as a reward for the fan base that gave us the most followers. Um, and also, this is the important part, uh, tweeted a gift for what team that they support on the tweet. Mm-hmm. No one followed instructions. Not a soul. We got Are more followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, like, people retweeted us. Yeah. And we got new followers. And people were giving us shout-outs, but no one put the gift, so I didn't know where these new people were coming from. Before they get screwed over, feel like they got screwed over, we're just going to go ahead, and the fan bases that retweeted us the most, because I noticed most of these followers, or I mm-hmm. knew who they were, who were doing the retweeting and giving us shout-outs, uh, their teams were Arkansas. Naturally, they won our last contest as well. Yep. Um, Kentucky. Kentucky gave us a couple of retweets as well, and then... Number three was a fan base I did not think we had a single follower from besides one. And that one retweeted us, and I know a couple of fans from them came and followed us, so we finally have some representation for that team. It's Mizzou. Okay. So, coming up when we do our Bracketology episode, we are going to look at Kentucky, Arkansas, and Mizzou for their... uh, We're going to do a conference preview on them after we do our Bracketology episode. It'll be a separate episode from the Bracketology episode. Me and Maddie will record it separately. We're recorded on the same day, but we'll probably release them pretty close together. Mm-hmm. But I did say that we were going to do this, and we thank y'all for following the contest. So the least we could do is give some kind of reward. Yeah, but next sure. next time, follow instructions. <laughs> like, please, it makes it easier in the counting and figure out who wins. So <laughs> we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there, there eventually. Some, we'll get there someday. Someday, someday. You know, like it is what it is. 
Um, but yeah, no. Uh, also, want to wish all our followers a happy Merry Christmas and yep. or Happy Christmas, Harry, <laughs> as they say in the uh, Harry Potter world. Um, thank you all. Thank you all very much for listening. And we will have more content out after Christmas. Um, me and Maddie are going to figure out how we're going to work that out with our schedule <laughs> right now. And our next episode is going to be our bracketology episode where we're going to take a preview about where all the teams are in the conference. Yep. Definitely. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. If you don't celebrate, enjoy the weekend. Happy Winter Solstice, <laughs> um, which happens to be, I believe, on December 21st this year. Typically, it's 21st, 22nd. Um, and that's when the days finally start getting longer. Exactly. It's Great. not dark at 4 p.m. anymore, you know, which is... A nice feeling uh, up here in the in the mountains. Let's talk about who are we gonna badmouth. Um, I mean, do we want to keep it SEC or no? I don't know. Like <laughs> after that USC game, I feel like Auburn deserves. Al- Auburn more. does deserve to be badmouth, and I think they're going to get badmouth this week. So buckle up, Auburn fans. We're gonna cue the music here, and I'm just going to start talking bad about you. If y'all have a delusional fan base, <laughs> I want y'all to be very aware of that. Um, y'all think that you're blue collar for some, or not blue collar but blue, blue bloods blood. yeah blue bloods for some reason i don't care what john goodman says about your program john goodman has said some outrageous things for twitter twitter interactions over the years he's awful and like if you buy that for a second that you're amongst the kentucky if you even think you're a top five program in the sec you need to go look at your resume for a minute you know i really think the issue this year is that Auburn is used to at least being better at basketball, being better than Alabama in basketball, and it's not happening this year, so they're they're losing it. Oh, there we go. Losing I mean, their minds. Well, I mean, this was before last year, too, like, they started that blue blood nonsense. Someone asked me, like, were you alive the last time Arkansas went to the Final Four? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. And it's like, well, how many Final Fours have you been alive for? Four of them. And a national championship. Don't talk to me about your one trip that you've ever had to the Final Four. Don't do it. I don't care. Uh, let's go through uh, Auburn's... Yeah, yeah. here we go. Here's Auburn's re- all-time um, Auburn's all-time record when it comes to uh, comes to their uh, pedigree in basketball. Um, they've made they've been to a Final Four. Congratulations in 2019. No national championships. There's about five SEC schools that they actually have one. Um, so like yeah, no, they're so you know they're not there with those schools with Florida, Arkansas, Kentucky. Um, who else has one? I feel like someone else has one. I'll go look it up later. Um, but yeah, two two whole Elite Eight, you know, two trips to the Elite Eight, also including in 2019. Um, so before that, they had one in 1986. What a wonderful resume for a blue blood school like Auburn. Um, see uh, five SC, or five Sweet Sixteen appearances, um, and then like everything else, round of 32. Um, what is there? It's like 10, maybe 10 times they've made it the round of 32. About the about the same, maybe 11 times they've actually made the tournament in their history. Um, that includes the Charles Barkley years. And they won the SEC championship a whopping twice, and they've been in this conference a lot longer than a lot of others.